Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And this episode, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch a few topics. Michigan football themed, uh, no recruiting in this one, no basketball. Um, there might, you know, there, there might be another basketball on later this week if there's enough to talk about. Um, but yeah, mostly football. We're going to answer a few listener questions and then, uh, well, I guess technically it's a recruiting, but I'm going to, Steve and I are going to kind of go back and forth on this recruiting riser series that I'm doing over at the michiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. You can read there too not just the, the ones that we talk on this show um you know, we're 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 actually doing I, I i'm pretty proud of the work that we're doing i think we're doing some interesting stuff uh you know steve myself josh henschke josh newkirk sam webb bryce marich uh, and then of course our national team too so it's lots of interesting stuff if you are looking for a michigan sports fix i really think you'll find it at our so anyway with that uh we're going to get started. Listener questions. You can always submit them. You can tweet at me, underscore Zach Shaw. Uh, in the past, I've sometimes forgotten about the questions, but the, but I won't anymore. And, of course, I, I try to field questions the day that we record, too. Uh, so the first one, Steve, I, I don't know if I see it anymore, the surprise one. Do you have that pulled up? Yeah, it was from uh, Jordan Eggleston. Okay. Simply just asked, uh, if there's one player on offense and defense that we see as a quote potential, uh, like a surprise this season. Mm-hmm. So we've, I, I like this question a lot actually, because we've done the various like breakout players at each position or player on the rise at each position and, or, or you know, X factor. And it's kind of the predictable ones. Like we, I think we always say Mike Barrett. We always say, um, you know, the, the Giles Jackson, Mike Sane were still combination. I think we've talked about, you know, like you can kind of run through like the projected new starters and basically just call them the breakout players at each position. I like this one because I think it, I don't know if it counts as a surprise if they're the expected starter. I think, I think this has got to be someone who um, maybe isn't, maybe they take, maybe they are a starter who takes the next jump. But I think I kind of interpret this as someone who might not be expected to start right now, but could easily, make like a colossal like think like chase winovich in 20 was it 2016 maybe when he he had a couple of those surprising games uh before he became a star maybe it's like that kind of player and so steve with that uh who who stands out let's start on the offensive side of the ball first who stands out as your offensive surprise oh boy um i i still think I still think implies that it's somebody I've used in a different one of these types of situations before. <laughs> uh, um, Eric all continues to be a guy that I think is going to uh, surprise in that. I think he'll be better even than what is maybe anticipated. I know we've reported in the past, the two big, there's two big things with him. One, his high school ran a wing T. Right. So, he had to learn how to run block. Not a situation where he's a tight end that was basically a wide receiver in high school, you know, and that knows how to do the or is excels in the receiving side of things, but has to learn how to block. But is a guy that almost the opposite, except a lot of time we've been told a few times that either he or Nico Collins has the best pure hands. Yep, on the team. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, you know, at tight end, what, what more do you want? And, and, and the thing I remember in watching him from last year is that, yeah, not afraid to get in and hit somebody and play on the line. And I've, you know, I've always said, I've said in the past, that's going to get you on the field and keep you on the field uh, at the tight end position. You're going to endear yourself to the staff, to your teammates, you know, as you're a guy that wants to get in there and hit and not just worry about how many passes you catch and how many touchdowns you score. So, you know, could turn into a very well-rounded player as a second year guy. I know, you know, this goes all the way back to when he camped at Michigan. That's, he was already a guy that I think they liked, but he can't, when he camped there, it turned into uh, they loved him and, you know, took him no hesitation, you know, whatsoever. So I'm going to go with Eric Hall. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick. And, and I, I, I know we've heard in press about, you know, how, how good of a pass catcher he is. And I guess the big question, it's just size, you know, he's got a little bit more to his frame, although he's got to be close now, but that was kind of the main question last season, but there'll be snaps available at tight end. I mean, Nick Eubanks will play quite a bit. I'm sure they want to feature him. I know they were pretty fired up that, that he was going to return for another year. So, but still there's, there's second, second string snaps available. Luke Schoonmaker, and and the Matthew Hibner also battling there. I I don't know what it is about this this individual, but I don't know if I'd even pro- project him to start. And he's at a he plays offensive line. He's not even at a position where the backup gets a lot of run. I just there's something about Carson Barnhart and just I mean you know he played a I believe I believe he played a little bit last year, but kind of going back and, and doing this recruiting riser series and seeing what he was like as a recruit along with, along with little, little things I'm hearing uh, here and there throughout the off season. I think he's just going to end up, I, I don't know if he's going to start right away. I think it'll be really hard for Michigan to keep him off the field. And, and that's, to me, that's a surprise is that, you know, if I did the depth chart today, I don't know if I'd put him anywhere. Um, but in the end, I, I, I just could see him, could see him just scratching and clawing his way into that starting lineup, which I guess if I'm using Chase Winovich 2016 is kind of the epitome of that. Uh, no one really knew what Chase Winovich was going to bring in 2016. You know, they had, they had a pretty good defensive line. Now Michigan has some questions on the offensive line, but they, they feel comfortable. I mean, you know, between, between guys like Zach, some of the younger guys, Zach Carpenter, Nolan Rumler, those types, um, some of the veterans, Chuck Filiaga, I guess you can call Ryan Hayes a veteran at this point. As, as weird as that sounds, um, you know, Andrew Vistardis, some of the, uh, Andrew Stuber. I mean, they've got, they've got a few guys. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not an offensive line savant. I, I never played the position or anything. So, but there's just something, I don't know. He's, I feel like he's got that it factor that, that um, really, you know, high ceiling and the wheels are already in motion for him to get there. So he'd be my pick for the surprise on the offensive side. Steve, your defensive surprise. Uh, David Ajabo. Dang it. Took mine. Yeah, I figured that's – I actually <laughs> – I'm actually glad you let me go first because uh, I was trying to think of a second, but I couldn't – well, I mean, I could, but I didn't want to have to think about it anymore. Uh, but I'm going to go with Ajabo. Interested to know how many stone – he he currently weighs <laughs> uh, because I I again actually it's you know it's ironic 
you go back to camping and that's exactly just like Eric all uh, a guy that Michigan was already pretty high on. They liked him and decide basically he blew them away at, at camp. I, you know, and again, the guy they already liked, but the guy that they loved after they got to watch him live and watch him in person, you know, the, one of the biggest questions for Michigan is who's going to, who's going to do for them what Josh Uche did. You know, I think if there's anybody on the roster right now that can do it this year, I think he, I don't, again, is are they going to replace that production? I don't necessarily think so. If, if, it, if they do it, it'd be via a couple people. I don't think there's one guy who's going to walk in and take take that spot. Um, but Ojabo, definitely a guy. So he's my surprise pick for defense. I, you know, I don't know. He, you could probably peg him in that breakout spot too, possibly just because it feels like that. No, no, he's a surprise. Cause I don't think anyone's saying right now what his role, like there's no expectation for him. I mean, we just, I just posted the, the 2018 recruiting riser spoiler alert. He rose a lot. And we had someone comment, we, you know, our board's pretty in the know. And they said they forgot about Ajabo. So I think that counts as a surprise. All right, I'll take it then. Yeah, so I'm going to, it's, it's really hard to, hard to say because I think one thing that's tricky about the surprise is that um, a lot of times they're shots in the dark. And so I'm going to take one because Ojabo got taken. I'm going to skip, you know, Mike Barrett. I think he's already in that breakout role, I think. I think Chris Hinton's already in that role. Vincent Gray, um, Dax Hill. I mean, you know, they, it might be a surprise how well they do if they if they have really good seasons, but it, it won't be like a who's that guy. I think I think the epitome of a surprise is who are you? You know, who are the fans looking through the program to to find out who this guy was because they're doing so well in the game? So I'm gonna take a little bit of a of a guess here. Oh, I have two. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a guess here. I'm gonna go with. Julius Welshoff. Hmm. And, and the reason why is just because, I mean, this is one of those things where you just <laughs> see him in person and you're kind of like, man, you know, that's, that's someone who is, it's, it's weird because he was like 270, but I think he had room for more in his frame. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to project him without knowing. We've never talked to him. I've never talked to him at least. I'm going to project that he makes a move inside similar to Carlo Kemp a couple years ago and just becomes a force inside, not, not a starter and, and maybe not even that much of a rotation guy, but I think there'll be a couple moments where, where he just looks really good. I, I you know, he's, he's really tall. Um, he's got, got a lot of defensive end traits, so maybe he doesn't, but there's just something like when you see him, he almost looks like Aiden Hutchinson, but with more room to grow. Sure. And so I, I'm fascinated by him. Maybe that's maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but we're it's it's what mid-May. I can I can take a shot here. So, but I agree. I think Ajabo. I think there's going to be a couple defensive linemen who surprise. I mean, if you know Sean Nua, it's a big offseason for him. I know it's tough because they didn't have practice. So, yeah, um, I, I would say. Hurts a lot of those, yeah. Sorry, hurts a lot of those guys that you're looking for. Like you know, I'm the guy I've always wondered is like, what's what's a Mike Morris mm-hmm. going to turn out to look like? You know, Taylor Upshaw. Yeah, exactly. Upshaw got some some decent playing time last year, but mm-hmm. but yeah, still similar. Like 
that was this this spring ball this year would have been huge for those guys, you know, and now you got to bank on the fact that, or bank on them putting in as much work as possible on their own. Right. You know, well, and so whenever. much of it's learning for those guys. Cause Ajabo, crazy, good speed, uh, pretty good athleticism, good quickness, you know, uh, Taylor Upshaw, kind of the same deal. Uh, but so much of it was, I, it almost felt like Greg Madison. Now he, you know, there were a couple piece players that were ready to go. Quiddy pay Josh Uche, Aiden Hutchinson, but it seemed like a lot of those defensive ends were still in that clay mode where they're, they're still getting molded into the finished product. And, and that was an interesting, it was maybe risky is not the right word. Cause I mean, they liked all the guys, but it was an interesting approach. I felt like in 2018 and a little bit in 2019 where Michigan was going after guys kind of with that third year in mind, not necessarily the most polished pro, you know, players, but guys that they felt like, okay, if we can get through one or two years with this crop of defensive linemen, then these guys will be ready to be even better. So um, it it wouldn't be the first time, you know, Greg Madison had a lot of guys in, in last decade who third year, that was kind of when things clicked. So Gabe Newberg, I know he's a second year guy, but he kind of stands out in that vein. Uh, Very just a pivotal off season for Michigan's defensive line because um you know, lots of lots of positive reviews about Sean Nua so far, and can he create a couple of these so-called project recruits? I don't I don't love that phrase, but I it does help encapsulate what what I'm talking about here. And can he turn them into polished players? So that's a big question. Um, another question. This one comes from JTOG X, who says, "Agree or disagree? Brad Hawkins is the most underrated player on the team." and primed for a huge year also moves back to his more natural position at strong safety. So I am a contrarian by nature, Steve. And so I was thinking, uh, there's no way he's the most underrated. I talk about him all the time. I think he is the most underrated player on the team. I couldn't come up with someone who gets talked about less, who is more valuable to, to the Wolverines. And, and if you really want to dig and try to find some more, it, it's probably someone we don't know who, if they're good yet, I mean, like maybe a, like an offensive lineman, like Zach, is that Carpenter? Is he allowed to be underrated? Well, we don't know how good he is, but Brad Hawkins, few things about him. One, he was actually the only pro football focused first team, all big 10 player Michigan had last year. Now he got in kind of on the defensive flex side of things, but between his coverage and his ability to play against the run, Pro Football Focus, who I think does a pretty nice job, they viewed him as the only as Michigan's best player in in theory. And so, and that, now that I know they liked Aiden Hutchinson too. It's just a crowded year for defensive ends, so that might have been part of it. But still, I mean, he's up there. I think he only allowed one reception over twenty yards, which is pretty good for a safety, um, especially when you consider you know Michigan felt like they played a lot of pretty good safeties. Now he missed the Ohio State game and he missed the Alabama game. But I thought he had a really strong year. I actually, I feel like he could do free or, I don't know if he actually is that much more. I know he's a little bit better against the run. I think that's a little bit more comfortable for him. But I mean, he's a former receiver. At one point, they were looking at him at cornerback. I don't know if free safety is necessarily out of the role for him. But I think he can have a really good year. I mean, him and Dax Hill, I don't remember where I put the safeties in my position power ranks. I don't think I put them that high. Uh, because of the depth, but that's a really good starting safety duo. 
So, Steve, I'll let you weigh in. Is he the most underrated player? I said yes. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, based, especially based on the logic of guys who are actually rated. Right. Who have so, played. Yeah, you know, because yeah, like you said, Carpenter, a great example of a guy that we, we don't know what he is yet. So how do we know if he's underrated or overrated or whatever? So with Hawkins, yeah, never gets talked about. And, you know, I was like, this will be Michigan's uh, – it's tough because, you know, Hill and Thomas – we're not a duo to scoff at. I mean, right. both both played in the NFL. I think Hill's still in the NFL. I'm not sure if Demonte's still in the NFL right now just, or not. Just to be curious, yeah, Delano Hill and yeah, Delano Delano Hill, Hill, sorry, Thomas, not Lavert Hill and Ambry Thomas, who were the cornerbacks so last not, year. Not, not safeties. <laughs> you know, well, I know, but a, I'm just Michigan, making sure. Michigan football pot here. People, people would know. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, um, but yeah, this is probably the most athletic duo that they've had at safety. At least, you know, under Harbaugh. I think it's the fastest. Yes. You know, I, I still want to see – I mean, they both had some pretty good tackles last year and some good sticks, but I still want to see that consistently because I think that's one thing Josh Metellus – I know he gets a lot of gruff from, from fans, but I felt like he was a pretty strong tackler. And so they're, they're going to need that in, in some capacity. I mean, I assume it's Hawkins. He's going to have to – he's going to have to tackle some guys like 20, 30 pounds heavier than him. But go ahead and continue. No, I mean, I, you know, athletically though, I do, I think this, I do think this is the most athletic combo they've had back there. And, and that doesn't mean it's, it's going to be the best, but I do think it just naturally, I think the ceiling is the highest, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's just to twist this up even more, not just because the ceiling isn't the highest, just because they're the most athletic either. Uh, but you know, cause Hill's an uber talented guy. I think that is going to be, is on track to be a star and Hawkins, like we have both agreed is the underrated guy, you know, and, and yeah, definitely. I think, actually, I think this was kind of an easy one to answer, but it was a good question. If that makes sense. I, you know, I think Hawkins deserves a little bit more praise than what he's gotten. Heck. I mean, you know, we got thrown into the meat grinder against Notre Dame and, and almost walked in and made a huge interception in that game. Like, well, that's like his first or second play from scrimmage. You know, uh, fresh fresh off the bench, you know, it was like a half an inch from making a huge play. Granted, uh, Notre Dame caught a touchdown, and that was what ended up winning them the game. But, um, <laughs> but still, you know, so no, Hawkins, very underrated player, underappreciated player. But again, yeah, with Metellus leaving, you know, I think these guys, both of them, will get their due. Very an underlying storyline for me. Very interested and excited to see what Bob Shoup does. Yeah. With these guys. He's he's the real deal when it comes to coaching defense in the defensive backfield. I mean the the numbers back it up. So and he's got two you know I think cuz I do think Hawkins is a guy that'll get drafted. Um I think I so. Two yeah. NFL draft. He's got two NFL draft picks back there to work with. So Right, right. And, very and interesting. He's got a pretty good well Good foundation to work with behind 100%. them, you know, in terms of recruiting and, and yep. everything like that. So, um, although, you know, some of the, that's probably a key at safety. That, that'd be the one question is, is can they find a third and a fourth? Um, you know, not necessarily a must. I mean, it's not, that's not, might not make them a difference in, in one loss record, but that, that would, the fact that you already have this duo, I mean, you know, not to poo poo on Josh Metellus or anything, but, 
it's like a, a three-year starter and alternate captain NFL draft pick. He's gone. And we're already talking about the, uh, now the speed is, is the big part of it. And I know, I know Michigan fans really want to hear about the fast safeties. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a position of concern at all. I don't think for Michigan fans, that's, that's not a knock on Josh at all. Right. Uh, you know, Daxon Hill was a five-star prospect, right? You know, and like, and again, we've talked about Hawkins being so as underrated as he is. It's just, it's a lot of this is about, as far as the safety position as a whole, a lot of it's just about Hill being a guy and he's supposed to be a stud, you know? So that's nothing against Metellus. Again, if anything, man, I mean, he was a three-star prospect who outplayed his ranking considerably and parlayed it into a, into a draft pick. I mean, he's, you know, He's going to be missed from a leadership standpoint, I suspect, but not a knock at all to say that a five-star sophomore, you know, that is more athletic, you know, could, could, is a guy who might have a higher ceiling. You know, I don't really think that's that much of a knock. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think who might even be the second most underrated. I mean, it's probably players who I think are superstars who are being treated as solid players like an Aiden Hutchinson, I think he might be – you could argue he's the number one defensive end in the Big Ten coming back next season. I, I, I don't – I mean, I think George Karlaftis is, might be number two. I, mean, I, I feel like Wisconsin, if memory serves, they have at least someone who's intriguing. I think, but I think Zach Harrison at Ohio State is a guy that's going to take a big leap this year. Much like I do Carl- think he'll take a big leap, but in terms of who's coming back from next year. Pr- Production-wise? Because, yeah. well, I, I just look at Harrison as – not much different than Karlaftis as far as, but the thing is, is that he didn't really play as much because they had mm, studs fair. in front of him. So, no, but I think you're you're on the right. I I I don't disagree. I think Karlaftis is a, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, sorry, because Michigan really <laughs> yeah, was very to close to getting both of those guys. <laughs> those guys yeah. yeah, you know, th- but think about that. It's pretty crazy just to to look at it like that. But I mean, that's the truth. So right, um, right. And well, <laughs> it, but but the another point, kick in the gut. For the <laughs> point was, you know, it's like like Aiden Hutchinson. I think Jalen Mayfield is officially rated. Uh, you know, he was underrated, and then I think everyone saw the first round draft grade. So now he's now he's correctly rated, uh, and then. You know, Nick Eubanks. I just, I just, you know, a couple guys who maybe don't get treated as top two or three players on this team who, who are. But anyway, I, I, I agree uh, with JTOG X that Brad Hawkins, and I feel like he's been underrated for a while. Like we've talked him up, yet still argue that he's underrated. Anyway, next question comes from Linda Mulig um, asking about Michigan football paying for all other sports and if that means that if there's no football this fall there are no other sports period um i'll try to answer this quickly there is a longer answer and a a more extensive discussion to be had about this but not in this podcast episode uh maybe maybe later on once we know a little bit more um i personally don't feel like i have an opinion until until i no more until I, until I, I mean, I've done the research, but it doesn't extend into September. We just don't know enough yet. So as far as the finances though, uh, yeah, football's big. It's, um, they make about $7 million per home game. They play seven home games per year. They, the entire athletic department, total donations, Jersey sales, ticket sales, uh, everything is about 200 million. They make about four, 50 million just from, home football game ticket sales alone. 
And then you have to factor in jersey sales. Uh, most Michigan fans are buying. Now, now, maybe that doesn't change with football existing or not existing this fall. Um, but I would imagine it would go down. And then you have to factor in the Big Ten Network's TV deal. And that's why I think every Big Ten school, at least, is hoping that at least there's something to put on TV because uh, that's about $55 million a year, too. And so suddenly, I mean, just from the TV deal and the ticket sales, you're over $105 million out of your 200 mil. And so, yeah, if they took football away, uh, that, that's a lot of money that they don't have. Now, Michigan, I don't think they would have to do what some of the smaller schools would have to do and like literally cut the sports, but I think it'd be really hard to imagine without football, other sports occurring just this fall i don't i don't know enough about what the contingency plans are i know ward manuals kind of talked about it but the, the point is to linda's question uh it, it it is a big financial necessity for for the non-revenue or olympic sports and i mean you could i would argue michigan football is probably worth annually about 150 mil a year out of the 200 you know, basketball makes money. Hockey, um, you know, brings in some revenue. Softball, uh, who knows? Maybe baseball, if, if they have continued success, can join that group. Women's basketball, I know, um, has has games where they, they really fill up the, the arena. But it really is football. Even in today's today's society, it's uh, football pays, pays a lot of the bills. So with that, hopefully I answered enough of that question, Linda. You know, the hypotheticals, it's too many hypotheticals away. You know, if this, then this, and this, and this, then that. Um, so anyway, we're going to take a quick break uh, for a little bit word from our sponsors. On the other side, Steve and I are going to talk about the biggest recruiting risers uh, in the last five years for Michigan football and, and what can be gleaned from that. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, and we're back, and, and as promised, we're talking about this series. And, and Steve, this is a little bit more because it is former recruits, but our site has a very cool tool. It's the Rank History Tool, and we can basically look at where a player was ranked when they were junior at the very beginning of the process and then how that changed throughout the process. And so what I'm doing, I'm doing one class each day. Uh, it's kind of spread things out and taking a peek at just how far some of the biggest risers rose. And so I did 2020 yesterday. I did 2019 today. Uh, today meaning Wednesday. We'll do 2018 on Thursday. 20, and then 16 and 17 will be combined on Friday. And then I'll, then I'll compile it all together and go with the biggest risers. But, but Steve, we've talked about this before. I mean, so much of this is the evaluations. Um, you know, Michigan kind of offering and pursuing players when they're on the ground floor before they have, you know, the fourth star or in some cases the fifth star before they're a top 
100 recruit um, and, and really getting in on these guys early, uh, just from a recruiting strategy standpoint, what, is, what does it say when, when they are recruiting some of these big-time risers in terms of their valuations, in terms of their um, pursuit, in terms of what they're seeing? Well, it's all about eval and early eval. Well, not always early. I shouldn't say early. It's always about eval, like, you know, deep evaluations, turning over every rock, you know, hours of film. It's really what it comes to. Actually, I mean, really, to be honest with you, it really just comes down to outworking or, or working smarter, I guess, than your competition. You know, because, I, I, you know, when it comes, yeah, I think it's a, actually a pretty simple, concise answer because it, it really, it comes down to just, you know, it's not necessarily about watching the most film. It's about knowing, you know, looking for certain things on film, looking for certain traits, that type of deal, utilizing connections. You know, I know this is a basketball story, but, you know, we remember re- uh, about how Michigan got Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, mm-hmm. you know, through like a contact of John Beeline's. This stuff happens all the time with football recruiting, you know, might be a, Matter of fact, I want to say, if I remember right, I'm, I'm thinking uh, Matthew Hibner last cycle who rose like over a thousand spots or something in our, in our rankings was a, I believe, former linebackers uh, coach Chris Partridge or former Welsh linebacker safeties coach Chris Partridge was on a recruiting visit to a different prospect in Virginia. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, one of the assistants at said program made a mention out of a kid at uh, Lake Braddock High School, which was Hibner. Partridge went and saw him right away, thought, okay. Because the, the, here's kind of the ironic part is Hibner's recruiting profile was not accurate at the time. He weighed 35 more pounds than what his recruiting profile said. Because he's from a small, t- it's like a small town of Virginia that I don't think anybody had been there. I don't know if they had been to any camps or anything. And he was still moving as quickly as he would have at that last weight. So if anybody remembers how that recruitment went down, Michigan basically offered him, offered him like the week I think that he was coming up to campus, maybe a week before. He came up, loved it. We'll take you. Done. So, mm-hmm. so there, I mean, so part of it's eval, part of it's contacts, you know, but it's really just like anything else, an intelligent use of your resources, an intelligent use of uh, your connections, that type of deal. So, and I think one thing I would add is, is I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to make it sound like they're way more heroic than they are, but, but kind of a fearlessness, you know, Michigan, Michigan gets a lot of flack for the Northeast recruits, but. Um, and, and, you know, you do want to go all around the country. I mean, there are good players everywhere. You don't want to, you don't want to zero in on one particular region, but a lot of times when they're going after someone in the Northeast, uh, you know, just based on these risers is just because 24 seven hasn't evaluated them or hasn't evaluated them as someone in Georgia or Tennessee or Florida or whatever, doesn't mean they aren't a good prospect. And so I think I, I feel like a lot of these recruits were players who um, as soon as 
you know, well, not as soon as, but, but when Michigan was offering, I mean, you could see there was more than that was listed in the rankings. And so, you know, to Hibner, I mean, he, he rose 874 spots during the process. He rose from a, from an 85 to a, to a 90 and actually finished a hundred and actually finished with a 94 and the 133rd ranking in our 24 seven specific rankings. And then, you know, and then some players, like I think David Ajabo is a, is a good example. Now he's also from the Northeast, but a little bit different of a case where they really liked what he had become. And he just had only played. He was given an 85 rating after his first season ever of football. And so that's, that's another player. Um, Steve, one thing I noticed, and, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on this. When I did this, I did 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I, the first full five recruiting classes in, in the Jim Harbaugh era. I felt like there were more in 2019 and in 2020 than there were before. What, what do you think is the reason for that? Is that Michigan simply, is it, is it luck? Is it coincidence? Is it Michigan getting better at finding some of these recruits early or finding recruits that, that are due for a rise? Is it more thorough evaluations? Is it more what Michigan's looking for, more fearlessness? What has changed in the past couple of years that's, that's causing Michigan to get a lot of these rising recruits? At, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a tough one because there's a thing they've actually, you go back, they've maybe had more guys who have risen, but they've actually hit throughout Harbaugh's entire tenure. They've actually hit on a lot of three-star guys that they've recruited. Talk about 17. I think the problem with 17 is that the higher ranked guys are the ones that haven't worked out. The bottom half of that class has actually been decent. You're not going to hit on every one of those, right? You know, low th- or the mid three star type guys. But you talk about Quiddy Pay, Ben Mason. I think is still a recruiting win there. I think he's been productive enough to have said that that was definitely worth the recruiting. You know, but yeah, like Quiddy Pay's been the best defensive lineman, and they took seven guys. In that class, he was by right. far the rank, one that was ranked the lowest, and he's been the best one, and it's not even close. So, you know, they've always they've always done a decent job, or at least – actually, I'd say better than decent. They've done a good job in evaluations. I just – I'm not no, – I don't know if it's more so that the R guys or, you know I, – I, because this is kind of one I'm sort of having to think through live. I guess – there are certain – like, I know the way that our people grade players or evaluate guys. There's certain traits you're looking for. I know track times is big right now, mm-hmm. um, multi-sport type stuff. There are certain – it's not always like – it's not just like 40-yard dash type stuff. There's like the shuttle times are big. I know that type of deal. So, I'm wondering, there might be a better synthesis now, I guess, and that Michigan is looking for the same things that our guys – look for I suppose uh you know like look at this cycle one of their top targets Xavier Worthy you know Michigan I think it was like an 86 until three or four weeks ago when we bumped him up to a top 150 player I don't think he's done rising I think he's a top 100 player in my opinion but blazing speed on the track show you know and that that combined with the he's a 
like a track star and you combine that with the film that you watch and it's like, Oh, why wasn't this guy ranked higher to begin with before? You know what I mean? So, you know, I do think maybe there's a better synthesis, I guess, between what the networks are looking for and how Michigan has been evaluating guys, I guess. It's really the best thing I can come up with. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure that or convinced that Michigan's approach from the macro standpoint has really changed that much you know i mean because they're still recruiting by and large they're still recruiting highly ranked and highly recruited guys but i don't know i think it's a good question i'd be interested to get more info and a better answer on it but that's the best i can give yeah sure last question because looking through this it's it's actually interesting because it is a lot of a lot of michigan's best players actually were recruiting risers cam mcgrone rose four hundred spots Jalen Mayfield rose 677 Caesar Reese rose 190 Michael and Wenu rose a bunch and then in 2019 it was Zach Charbonnet it was Eric All actually actually no it wasn't Eric All well Carson Barnhart was on here Giles Jackson David Ajabo who we just talked about Cornelius Johnson and so it's a lot of a lot of guys who end up well, maybe, maybe they don't, don't outdo their ranking, but maybe outdo their initial ranking once they get to college too. That's where, it's in, that's where it's group. interesting because for me, that's how I would almost look at it, right? Mm-hmm. The initial ranking. So for, if you're Michigan, why does Michigan care how, how, how he was ranked after they had already offered him and got a commitment from him? Because mm-hmm. what's what where it's an, where it could, could be or can be an advantage for Michigan, you think about this, say it had been the opposite and Hibner was ranked 135th in the, in the country to begin with, there's no way they would have been able to recruit him and got, get him committed that easily. He'd have had right. 30 offers, you know, would have been – I mean, I'm not – maybe he's different, but, in, you know, by and large, in mo- for the most part, if it was the opposite – those turn into the national recruitments that we end up writing 50 stories about every cycle. Was Hibner the Virginia Tech commit? I don't think he committed. I don't think he ever committed to Virginia Tech. But but he was. I think he had. I think he had one crystal. I actually think he had an early crystal ball into Virginia okay. Tech. Yeah. Okay. He had some offers. I mean, he right, wasn't some right. complete unknown, but not. Teams were thinking they were getting a steal. Yes, like Virginia yeah. Tech would have been getting, yeah, would have been getting a steal, and so you know that's where that can really be a huge advantage for you. Like you could you could throw other guys into that same like the Charbonnet, but Zach is such a unique, you know, a unique situation where I think his recruitment was going to play out the way he wanted it. I don't think he, you know, he didn't is did not care at all about any of that stuff. So. So real quick, if if I may, just just keeping that that um, insight in mind, I had five players who rose at least 140 spots in the 2020 class. Braden McGregor rose 211. Andre Seldon rose 140. R.J. Moten rose 499. Roman Wilson rose 572, and then Matthew Hibner rose 874. Which of those five? Which of those rises do you think is most? significant for Michigan fans to keep in mind and in terms of this is a player that's ascending, ascending, ascending. Um, they got better throughout high school. 
They're continue. They're going to continue to get better, and it might parlay into maybe a different career that people are expecting them to have at Michigan right now. Hmm. Um. Man, I want to say Wilson. Small, like Hawaii's not a football hotbed. Uh. You know, I, I guess he'd be the guy. It's predicated on speed. Which is where he, you know, was is where his recruiting profile started to take off. I guess I'd say him, but I think the expectations are already kind of there for him. So it wouldn't be like a huge surprise. I just think his profile is the type of guy who still could end up being, you know, it's hard to outdo. It's hard to outdo a ninety still, right? I mean, it's yeah, not ninety-two not, by our guys. Too. Yeah, okay, there you go. So not even higher. Like it's it's not easy to outdo that ranking. I mean, a 92 for the most part, probably like a border, a guy who's at least like honorable mention all conference at some point, if not a little bit higher. So that's like a pretty high expectation. To begin I mean, it's with. a draft pick. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, but still like, I, you know, going back to the initial ranking, it's gotta be him or Hibner. I mean, Hibner is going to be the guy that fits everything from that standpoint so sure sure yeah i think i think so i mean mcgregor and selden there's pretty high expectations for them um frankly don't know a ton about rj moton actually i gotta i gotta hit the books on him a little bit 500 spots rising in the rankings but yeah roman wilson started out with an 82 rating which is turns into kind of walk-on status and so obviously he changed that pretty quickly but um yeah, we'll see. Uh, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Thank you so much for listening, I should say. And if you want to give us a rating, give us a review, help this, this podcast um, become even more prominent, elevated just a little bit more, uh, we, we greatly appreciate that. Feel free to send questions as well uh, and offer some feedback on, on this podcast too. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.